0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the ASIAL Go app, free and exclusive to ASIAL members. Find the latest industry news, updates, events, publications, resources, and much more. Simply go to your app store and search for ASIAL Go to install. We are also, as part of our celebration of International Women's Day, announcing that ASIAL are seeking your input on how we can improve female participation in the security industry. There is a short online survey that can be found on the ASIAL homepage at www.asial.com.au. It's important to note that all responses are anonymous, so please jump on the ASIAL homepage and fill out that survey to help ASIAL guide the future of the industry. This is also a great segue into today's show. To help celebrate International Women's Day, we are discussing the importance of diversity in the workplace and how we might be able to create better opportunities and pathways for women to participate in the security industry. Joining us on the podcast today, we have Joanna Simpson, Head of Certus Technology Australia. We have Nasli Hakoglau, Legal Officer at ACES Group, and Anna Schreber, Channel Manager APAC Care and Inside Sales at Milestone Systems. Thank you all for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: So I'm going to kick off by asking about diversity in the security sector. And and maybe, Joanna, we'll start with you. Because I often wonder, is diversity in the security sector as important or more important than it is in other industries? And that may sound like a strange question on the surface, but I'll give context to why I'm asking it that way. When you look at diversity in the workplace, the security industry touches every aspect of the community, both male and female to LGBTIQA and everyone in between, every nationality. And because we have such a diverse range of contact with such a broad range of people in the community, I often wonder how important it is to get it right from the security industry aspect. And I'd be interested in your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, it's a really question and I think that diversity is just as important in security as other workplaces. It's really just a lot harder to attract women, unfortunately, uh, and that should not be underestimated. I think with the convergence of IT and IoT, Internet of Things, coming into security, there is still hope. Um, That's bringing a new round of of women to the industry. And and to your point, safety and security is the core of every, every human need. And, uh, I think, you know, all colors, gender, sexual orientation and religion are affected. So why would we not have diversity when it comes to the solutions, uh, for security?
0: Yeah. Now, Nasli, I know this is something that you deal with quite a bit in your role every day at ACEs group, you know, are we getting the diversity piece right in the security industry? And if not, what could we be doing better and differently?
3: I think uh, when you look at what the industry standards are, it's it's quite clear that not only do we need to correct the the gender imbalance that we have, but we need to place more importance on providing the equal opportunities for everyone, so we can truly reflect uh, the diversity of the places and communities that we work with. And so I think that the first thing for me to call out is that we're at a time at a time where diversity and inclusiveness in a workplace is extremely important regardless of the industry, but it's so much more than just female representation. Um, And by having true and rich diversity, that's how we're going to get the more ideas, more talent. And so um, when we're talking about diversity, I just, uh, you know, everyone should definitely be noting that it's so much more than gender, it's socioeconomic, age, cultural and then when we talk about diversity as well, we should also be noting that it's not necessarily um, diversity equates to representation. Representation and diversity go hand in hand, um, but we shouldn't simply stop at ensuring that we have representation because that's not what's going to get us the diversity that we need for sustainability. Uh, so I think having an understanding and uh, understanding of what, how representation and diversity can go together to be able to provide the opportunities and the support that we need is the most important thing.
0: Before we move on to Anna, that, that's an interesting and important point. Can we dig a little bit deeper there? Can you explain what you mean by the relationship between representation and diversity?
3: Yeah. So I think it's, it's quite common in our industry to see a major imbalance and I'm not just talking about operationally. So ACES obviously uh, provides security guards out into the ground, but I'm talking about diversity and representation from right at the top. I'm talking about our boards. I'm talking about our governance and our C-suite. And having the diversity there is one thing, but also having the representation at those top levels and being able to see that um, is something that I think a lot of others in the industry struggle with. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to call out my age on this one as someone who's just shy of 30 and who is um, a representative of the next generation of what would be C-suite. I know that I, myself and my colleagues want to see what is possible. So if we can see where we could end up and if we can see how we can get there and be supported by that, that's the relationship between diversity and representation. It is uh, definitely multifaceted, but it needs to work hand in hand. I think, you know, we'll probably end up touching on this a little bit later, but right now in our industry, it's very stereotyped in the positions that women are working in for security. So, for example, um, a lot of women are seen in already stereotyped positions, such as people in culture or administration. We need to see the representation and diversity across all roles and all departments.
0: Okay. I think that's a really important point. And I want to put a pin in that and come back to that in a second, but first let Anna, I want to hear from you about your views on diversity um, because what Nasli has said is a great segue into the next question. So Anna, what are your thoughts on diversity and what we could be doing differently?
1: Oh, I think Joe and Naz have already, you know, covered a big part of it, but you know, as an industry, there is not an importance greater on ours to have diversity than any other. I think, you know, the fact is, in security, we don't protect just men or just, you know, a particular gender or, you know, sexual preference. We protect everyone. And as such, in order to design products, in order to, you know, create a workplace and environment that attracts all, we need to have that diversity to take everyone's input. I mean, in in my sort of field and, you know, technology and driving forward, um, how we make decision about our future. I mean, how can we do that if only a single segment is represented? So absolutely, diversity is key, but not just insecurity for everyone. And I think now, Naz, you've also talked about, I guess, the representation across all levels. And um, I think it's difficult to achieve because when I applied for roles in this industry, I only applied because I recognized a brand. Whereas most women don't come across these brands. So how can we raise that profile much earlier? How can we tell pupils and students get involved in university to really make them, you know, tell a story about how important it is that what we do every day and how that shapes our future.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Neslie, you touched on this before and Anna, you've just mentioned it now. So let's come back to this representation. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the importance of representation in the industry, because I imagine it's extremely important for people, as you alluded to before, Nasli, coming into the industry or anyone we're looking to get into the industry to be able to see role models in senior positions. And we've got a great example of some people in senior positions on this podcast, but how do we get more people into those senior positions and, and why is that so important if we want to attract more women to the security industry? And maybe if we kick that off with you, Nazely, cause you were the one that sort of mentioned this initially.
3: Yeah, so, uh, thanks, thanks John. So I think, like I said earlier, it really does come down to the bottom line of where that representation is at what level, what role. And I think we can always talk back, talk about it and fall back on the well-known strategies to increase participation of women in security which I will say are are quite effective because um, ACEs have implemented them, driven them and continue to develop them. And these are things such as um, encouraging senior women leaders to act as advocates um, and sponsors for women in the industry, such as a mentor program, uh, creating leadership development programs um, that specifically target women in the industry, because we know that women have additional roles and additional needs that require that flexibility. Um, And so that kind of assists in focusing the the skills, such as strategic thinking and team management and communication. Um, So I think it's really just thinking about how we can be flexible and create opportunities where women can genuinely thrive um, and supporting them and setting up those systems to support them throughout.
0: Yeah. Now, Joanna, I want to come to you on this one because as head of Certis Technology, there's an interesting crossover here because the industry at the moment is absolutely screaming for more technicians and systems integrators. And this, perhaps more than any other area of the industry, is one in which female representation is dramatically underrepresented so can you talk to us a little bit about you know from your experience the importance of representation in the industry and how we might create greater opportunities for women because i know that there are plenty of great potential candidates out there who are female that could be great installers and integrators and systems engineers and designers how do we attract those people
2: yeah, and the convergence is a big part of that, absolutely. You know, I'm seeing some amazing women leaders such in the, the AI metaverse ethics such as uh, Dr Katrina Wallace, you know, out there speaking, putting books and things out, really showcasing the path forward and the fact that it's okay to take the lead in this space and have an opinion. I think um, recruitment, we definitely, to, to Anna's point, need to get in front of the schools. We need to ensure that women understand what the career path looks like You know, I'm a a mother of two teenage girls. And for me, I'm saying, you know, what your choice is now doesn't have to be your choice forever. But we're certainly, IT um, is definitely a space you need to look at, but that doesn't mean that you can't end up In the security industry, there's some beautiful career paths on the way through there. Getting educated on the way through. Encourage them to be educated, not just experience. Experience is very important. Um, Leaning into new opportunities. So when that opportunity comes up and you're in an organisation and just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't lean into that. Um, support and sponsorship was mentioned by NAS and I think that that's also very very important we've got to prop one another up and say yeah you may not have all the skills there you may not have tick all the boxes but you've got some support on the way through um, to, to get to that role so there's sort of an organic path here i suppose is what i'm trying to say and that we need to do as women uh, in this industry already and then there's an inorganic path where we need to start paving the way a little bit for the younger generation to come through listen to me in saying that younger generation but
0: um, yeah You've joined the club you're there you're part of it now <laughs> that that horrible referring to the younger generation <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can't believe I just said that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I I look for people when I'm recruiting, um, you know, to make sure I've got a good blend of education and experience. But you know, we we need to look, make our send our net a little bit wider, I suppose, when we're looking for for new people for new roles. Yeah, and and John, if I may add add something
1: here, I mean, when you talk about experience, Joe, I think maybe that's one of the key deterrents. A lot of people don't apply because there's no that you know no no prior gaining of industry experience Mm. it's just not possible you don't get a part-time job you know as security when you're 16 and so i guess that could be something that you know we have to highlight more that actually experience is always desirable but not necessary because a lot of the jobs that we have are fully trainable you know this it's not skills that you learn at university necessarily or a part-time job so it's more generic
2: It's a really good point. I'll give you an example I used the other day. I was hiring for a network infrastructure uh, lead and I also have a, a .NET developer. But I'm looking for someone, for example, who may not have experience but has come out of university, but if they're a gamer and they love to do gaming on the weekend, and they've got a real passion for writing code and all that sort of thing, then I guess um, not necessarily experience in the security industry, but they have that um, that drive and, and want to um, to do that role that happens to be in the security industry. So you're right, it, it doesn't always tick a box, but if we send that net that little bit further out, we may get the right people and attract the right people.
0: Yeah, I agree. But mm. it seems to me that this is an issue that's much, much broader than just the security industry. If we take STEM, for example, science, technology, engineering and maths in schools, historically, we can see that there is a much greater uptake up until recently of, for example, males in subjects like physics and engineering and science because traditionally those weren't seen as female subjects and therefore parents weren't encouraging a lot of girls to go into those subjects in schools. In fact, we were seeing historically a lot of evidence to point towards parents discouraging girls from going into those subjects going, really, you want to be a physicist? Is that, is that something you think you should be doing? So again, from your point of view, uh, both Joe and, and Anna, because you work in the technological spaces, is there more that we can be doing to break down some of those typical societal stereotypes? And this leads us into our next question about gender stereotypes, both conscious and unconscious. How do we break down some of those gender stereotypes that are rusted on to society and, and get people to understand that this isn't a male female thing that women are just as smart as the guys. In my case, most of the women I know are far smarter. Uh, So, you know, how do we do this?
2: Well, I think as security is evolving into a more network-centric environment that we called out before with sensors and edge devices and the like, new roles are starting to be created. So I see see them coming in. We, you, know, you talked about technicians before. We're starting to see roles such as BAs, data engineers, these sorts of things. And so I go back to career paths again to make sure that we're getting these people at the very beginning of their careers to understand that a path can actually lead into security. We're now finding better ways to articulate data, um, data for real-time operational efficiency and security. So we need to keep all of this in mind that they're not just traditional roles. There is new roles opening up as this whole industry shifts. And so maybe this is the opportunity, I'm just putting it out there, that women start to come more heavily into this industry. So we get a little bit more diversity going on, just a thought.
0: Yeah. Nasli, I'm going to come back to you on this one because you mentioned before that you sort of feel you represent, and you're correct—you represent a younger generation coming through into the industry. So you you bring a fresh perspective and a different set of eyes to this subject. Are we doing enough? Do you believe right now in the industry to address a lot of the ter- stereotypical gender norms that we're we're prone to dealing with, both conscious and unconscious?
3: Look, to be honest, I I'm actually quite fortunate. Um, Aces executive has been working on breaking through these stereotypes for you know 34 years and I think 24 years respectively um, with consistent hard work that you know shows through our amazing stats when we we pull them out about you know the people that are working so we have 90% of our supervisors at major events women which is absolutely incredible but I think overall having a look at the security industry. I personally think that we have quite a while to go um, in, in breaking that glass ceiling and, and gender stereotypes. But it's the next generation of leaders, which we can see are now starting to ramp up and kind of they've come in with bright eyes and bushy tails. But, and, and they're the ones that we need to invest to ensure that they're equipped. And the only way that we can do that is by not making this a ticker box exercise Um, And I think that a lot of businesses fall victim to that, that diversity isn't a checklist or a compliance task. And you can't truly um, obtain diversity by making sure that you have females in what are already existing female roles. And so I think there are obviously some multiple other layers to this because true diversity isn't how many females and males you have. It comes down to all of the other layers like culture and age and socioeconomics. So if we are noticing, either in ourselves or in our workplaces, I think the best thing is that if we're noticing that we are subjecting others to unconscious bias, we need to be confident enough to put our hand up and say, hey, I need to learn more about this. I need to learn how to kick my unconscious bias. The buck's going to stop with me and and then make that change because as the younger generation comes through, we will only – be able to do so much if our senior leaders are still, uh, uh, if our senior leaders aren't actually making those changes, it's very difficult for us to to do that um, up and coming. So uh, the circle of stereotyping and bias will continue, and it's going to be, you know, an issue that we would speak for decades to come if we don't do something about it now. So I don't think it's necessarily a question of whether we're doing enough to address the stereotypes and bias. But I think it's more so a message to our leaders, I hope, in the industry that are listening to this podcast to to please be the champions that we need to take action for the next generation by recognizing that in order to enact change, uh, we need to make change ourselves and, and make the appropriate space to allow that to happen.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned that diversity and, you know, gender inclusion is not necessarily a a compliance or a tick box exercise. And please feel free to jump in and correct me at any point during this, if I'm incorrect, but don't we kind of need to go through a little bit of that though, to get the ball rolling because it brings up this whole discussion around um, qualifications versus quotas. And I know it's a, it's an age old pain point, but there is a very strong argument to be made for the need for quotas Because in an industry like ours where you don't necessarily have a depth and dearth of people who are female that have all the necessary qualifications, we need to make room, it would seem to me at least anyway, for those people to come through and be trained up and given the opportunities to then create the representation to bring the new people in. So. Isn't it the case that there kind of does need to be a little bit of a checkbox exercise going on here? And please feel free to disagree. Uh, And I'll come back to you, Nazly, because you were talking about this earlier.
1: Mm, If I may answer. Yeah, sure. Jump in, Anna. Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel a little bit um, hot and cold when we talk about diversity and gender equality and, you know, highlighting women and, you know, having celebrations of women doing well. I feel like overall I'm much you know I've never felt judged on my gender or celebrated by my gender so I feel you know when we come to hiring we should not look at a background or diversity but actually look at the capability That's and qualifications are one of those things but it's really more about um, how do they fit the organisation what a difference will they bring and you know everyone said how important it is to bring a different perspective have different you know cultural upbringings and diversity and it is hard to change and I guess I think if we had a quota and say, well, for the next little while, we just have to hire women or have to hire people of color or people of you know different skill sets, we then go the other way. And, you know, we kind of assume that you have to go from one extreme to the other to reach, you know, a happy medium. And I don't think that's the case. I think what Naz said about making a conscious decisions and, you know, just checking in on every hiring decision and every, um, I guess, step forward that we make that it's really the best decision um, regardless of, of gender and background. I mean, it is hard unless we promote it, that there are lots of roles that women can take take a step up to because they may not feel the confidence to do so. And I think in celebrating that, we, we do make a good way, but I certainly wouldn't almost go the other way. So I'm a little bit um, yeah, yeah. on the fence with that.
0: No, look, and I understand that, and that's perfectly reasonable. I just, it keeps bringing to back to me uh, examples of in the early days of facial recognition, for example, the unconscious bias that was coded into the facial recognition systems. Mm. Because 99% of the programmers were male. And so 99% of the test samples that they were using were male. And only later on did we suddenly discover, oh, hang on, these things aren't necessarily so great at detecting female faces. So even things like that can have an impact on unconscious gender stereotypes and the way it works in the industry. And Joanna, maybe you've got some views on this because this is the area in which you tend to work.
2: Yeah, I've I've been part of a global organisation in my past where we went through that stage of having a quota at the executive level. So I feel as though that wave came and went. I don't have any positive uh, things to say about that. I think it actually, we put, to Anna's point, we actually put some wrong people in wrong roles. You know, business is about the best fit and um, we have you know, uh, HR elements within business to make sure that that fit is all the things that we've spoken about today. It's more than gender, color, sexual orientation. And I think, um, I go back to my organic comment before, uh, we really need to be pushing that harder and harder. And as we, women leaders, um, call, we'll call it that today, uh, it's our responsibility. And um, in the convergence space, we need to pull in those women that are leading in the IT space and the, the, that convergence space, pull them into our security industry and say, come join us. We're doing it at the front line. We're putting security systems on networks. But now it's time to bring the people in and um, have, start having conversations at that level. And I think if we can get some talent at all levels um, in that convergence space, then I think we're going to see some, some magic continue to happen.
0: Yeah. Now, Anna, I'll come back to you because we talk about unconscious bias and in the the lead up to this podcast, one of the questions I asked all of you was, is there something that you would like to specifically sort of talk about? And one of the things that you mentioned was gender equality. And again, to me as a male, your point, I, I just hadn't even considered it. So maybe if you can kick this off from the point of view of explaining what you meant in that conversation for people who weren't part of it. By gender equality and what workplaces could be doing differently, because I think this is really important.
1: Mm, thanks, John. Look, Natalie sort of mentioned you know earlier on about we need to offer flexibility and women's needs are different, and we've got to be mindful of you know some of the things that women do. And I kind of want to turn it on its head because it. I feel as a society, we can talk about this over and over again and provide flexibility for women, but unless organisations provide flexibility for all, that means men step up and take much more of an equal role when it comes to family responsibilities, childcare, then women will never truly be represented um, or have the opportunity to be truly represented in an organisation. What I mean with that is, you know, if, if you have a child, and I'm the mother of three, and you know, I have the baby and I stay home for a period of time, and then I go back to work, it is my responsibility to drop that child off, pick that child up. I have to work maybe because my organization allows me a shorter working day. I don't get the opportunity to network. I don't have that extended lunch where I can really do that inter, you know, personal and um, promotion of myself in order to make that progression, regardless of you know what what the company thinks. We don't have that time. But unless, you know, men say, well, no, actually, or organizations say, you know, as a father, you also can work part time, you also must give women the opportunity to be successful. Otherwise, it's essentially women working part time or 80% in a job that they get paid for and still do 100% at home, which makes an absolutely exhausted and burned out. I mean, having better flexibilities when it comes to maternity leave and paternity leave, working um, in job shares. I mean, this is something, especially after COVID, I feel so um, strongly about. I mean, there's, I think in Belgium they're tri- trialling a four-day working week and have proven you know, super high productivity. And I guess if we really not think about what can we do for women but say what can we do for everyone to give equal chances and progression opportunities, that's something I feel really, really impassioned about. And I guess I couldn't be here if I didn't have a super capable husband that looks after my three children while, you know, he's working a full-time job and, you know, we see each other as equal. And yeah, I think few organizations actually do that.
0: Yeah. Nazely, perhaps if I can come to you on this one, because whether you... Uh, have started a family or are about to start a family, have no desire to start a family, I don't know. Is this something that sort of plays in your mind and you think it would be really nice if there were opportunities there for you know things to be different?
3: Look, I absolutely um, agree with every, everything that uh, Anna said. And I think um, now we tend to talk about diversity and I think the the standard that we always fall back on is Females and males, and the gender roles that come with that. But, like I said right at the beginning, diversity is so much more than that. And diversity is equal for all. And, you know, having, um, I think, the, the flexibility for everyone is what is needed to be able to represent women and everyone else in between that fall in the multifaceted layers. So, I, I agree with um, the message that Anna's put forward, definitely. But I think that something else to to point out, which was what we were talking about previously that didn't get a chance to jump in, but I just wanted to say that, you know, I think that it's extremely important that we prioritize merit-based employment rather than setting diversity targets. Um, And the way that we do that is by providing the support from the second that they get into the company from whatever level it is um, and set them up for success and provide them the support and the training to to get them to wherever they want to be. And then before you know it, diversity and representation is a natural outcome that happens, and it's not something that happens overnight, which is why we're still talking about it years after it was first an issue, right? So if we try and start now, um, it's going to be a slow process. There's no doubt about it, but it's going to be a natural outcome that we achieve because we're able to provide the equal opportunity and equal representation for everyone. Um, and that's diversity. So yeah. that's.
0: Yeah, And Joanna, just to round things out, I mean, your thoughts on the whole sort of, you know, making things more inclusive for everyone, because I must admit, I, I this hadn't occurred to me, it's a bit of a duh moment, but, you know, I admit as an employer, if someone had come to me a couple of years ago as a male and said, I need to go and pick the kids up from school or, you know, I'm staying at home to look after the children tomorrow, whatever it may be unconsciously without even realizing it, that would have been met with a different reaction to if a female member of staff had come and said that. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I would have thought that way, but it would have, it's just my thoughts. So, you know, is there anything you would like to add to that?
2: Yeah, I don't think you're on your own there. I think we all um, we talk about this pandemic and the post-pandemic and pre-pandemic. Definitely, to Anna's point earlier, it's it's made us all think a lot differently. It's made us all question why did we want everybody to be at work from this hour to this hour. The way in which we wrote our contracts, you know, for employees is definitely changing as well. I think we just need to to stop and think. To your point, you know, that you're talking to a human that has a a, a life. Uh, outside of work and um, they may want to do networking in their lunch break. They may want to pick the kids up. Just stop and think for a moment. Um, And, you know, I find I stayed at a company for 21 years and I stayed at companies for just two years. And that cultural fit and the flexibility for an individual, forget about the woman piece for a moment, the individual, um, that's what makes people stay um, where they've got career progression, perhaps if that's what they desire. And um, they have that ability to keep learning. But most importantly, they have a voice about flexibility. And as long as they keep giving back to the business, I just think we have a role also to give back to the people because without the people, we have no business.
0: Right. Well, look, Joanna, Nasley, Anna, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen listening to this, don't forget March 8th is International Women's Day. If you have enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more like it, there are 80 odd 90 odd in the podcast series now on the asial website you can find them under the news section in podcasts or you can find it on Blurberry, spotify itunes google play all the great places that you find podcasts and finally don't forget this episode was brought to you by the asial go app free and exclusive to asial members find the latest industry news updates events publications resources and more Simply go to your app store and search for ASIL Go to install. Thank you once again, and we look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast.